Hello everyone, my name is S. Hey, I'm S. And welcome to the very first episode of Inside Out. Woohoo! Whoop whoop. Very enthusiastic. Okay, so <laughs> let's get straight to it. Today we are going to be talking about something that is pretty grim but important nonetheless. And I'm just going to let you take the ropes off. All right, so today we're going to be talking about the situation that Uyghurs face in East Turkestan. Um, I'm an Uyghur. Just to recap of what's happening in the region, also known as Xinjiang in China, the CCP has imprisoned more than 3 million Uyghurs in their concentration camps. Uyghurs are forced to renounce their culture, renounce their religion, as well as their day-to-day life. Um, You'd think that people would at least get a break in their own homes, but Chinese tactics include unexpected, obviously unwelcome, military presence inside homes at any time of the day. So just to make it clear, this is the Chinese government doing all of this. Like the people have no idea what's going on. Am I right? Oh, yes, definitely. Censorship is really intense. It's pretty scary and upsetting how much power the government has over a nation. But I suppose that happens in countries all over the world. So yeah, continue. Well, yeah, I mean, as an Uyghur myself, these are cold facts of a dystopian reality that I face every day. Uh, People that have heard of the situation going on there seem to focus on the human rights violation and the whole genocide and the concentration camps going on, just because that's the only narrative that Western media presents. What I like to focus on today is rather the lasting effect of the oppression on Uyghur culture and way of life. And the best people to talk about that, the culture and the way of life, is of course Uyghurs like yourself. But unfortunately, there aren't many that can or have the opportunity to speak up on it. Yeah, Uyghurs that are in the camps are mainly those of power, influence, whose opposition to the government, um, the Chinese would fear spark rebellion. So those would be people that have influences on culture, people like politicians, activists, scholars, actors, or singers, those of wealth, in addition to those that actually do speak out. So if you speak out, you're probably going to be tracked down, put in camps, or just kept an eye on, right? Yeah, yeah. It's exactly like predicted in the book 1984, seeing as to how the only Uyghurs left on the streets are the poor, the scared, and the elderly, people that you know stay silent. And to this day, Uyghurs are facing a loss of culture and are trying to fight the eradication of their lifestyle. Since Uyghurs in their own land are unable to do this, the responsibility falls onto Uyghurs that do not reside in the region, Uyghurs like me. That live all over the world, basically. Yeah. So let's talk more on your culture. What part of your culture, in your opinion, is the most interesting? What do you want to share with us in the audience? Well, just personally, the part of my culture that I think is the most interesting is just the history of the people and the origins of the culture. Uyghurs, believe it or not, share ancestry with Turks and other Turkic countries. Even going back a couple thousands of years, ancient Uyghurs were actually Buddhists. But as you can imagine, due to the Silk Road, Islam came very early to the region, around the 10th century. As a result, religious practices are super, super integrated into culture, to the point where the two are 
almost indistinguishable. So with religion and culture being super intertwined, how are they both being affected with this whole oppression that's going on? Well, Islam is banned in the region and Uyghur culture is criminalized, meaning that even simple traditional hats known as doppas are seen as radicalism and could get you in prison. Saying salam, just you know Islamic greetings, would get you labeled as an extremist. Whoa. That's really scary. Yeah, I mean, even a while ago, back when I could talk to my family back home, I was on a call with my grandparents. You know, thoughtlessly, I greeted them with assalamualaikum. My grandmother, who was, you know, previously very, very warmly greeting me, she went completely silent. And it's all because it's really well-known knowledge that phone calls were recorded and inspected. It's enough to incriminate someone. Oh, so when you said assalamu alaikum, she like froze, basically. Yes. And then she, did she and then, hasten to change the subject? Yes, yes. She started asking me how school is going, you know, just anything to get that sort of freeze out of the way. Yeah, that is so upsetting. Not even being able to talk with your family back home. When was the last time you heard from them? I'd say maybe two, three months ago. Okay. Wow. Not yeah. It's it's relatively recent compared to others who haven't been able to contact their family in three, four years. Of course, of course. So speaking of family back in East Turkestan, could you talk more of what the Uyghurs in East Turkestan, not just the ones in the camps, like what they're experiencing? Well, Uyghurs can't speak their language, Uyghur ironically, um, and must adhere to speaking in Mandarin. I mean, you can imagine what would happen with any religious scripts, but Uyghur literature was also banned and burnt and would get you marked as a terrorist. Uyghur music, dancing, and clothing was obviously banned in association. Wow. So after knowing you for years, I know you yourself are big on your cultural music and film. So does this mean that there haven't been any new films or music being produced in Uyghur for years? I mean, we do our best to upkeep our culture abroad by you know, reading, writing in the language, practicing speech and dance, but there's only so much we can do with this horror going on. I imagine that people abroad are producing um, movies and songs, etc., but it's all very hush-hush because no one wants to get blacklisted. Of course, and this is just a tip of the iceberg of what is going on, what Uyghurs around the world are experiencing. But after everything you've shared with us today, you would say that this breakup of culture would definitely be the biggest casualty of this assimilation, yeah? I mean, it's a completely one-sided war that's resulting in the deaths of thousands of years of tradition, customs, of all this rich history and culture that's all just going down the drain and dying in the hearts of victims. It's, it's the best way to put it, yeah. So is there anything we can do to help? I mean, Uyghurs abroad, we try to petition to our local politicians, to our members of parliament, yeah. maybe try to contact our prime minister. But other than that, right now, we're mainly focused on raising awareness because believe it or not, people haven't heard of this before. Yeah, I mean, the news focuses on it, maybe once in a blue moon. And uh, 
with everything, as you mentioned before, being so hush-hush, it's really hard to get the truth out there. I feel like someone in power, like a leader of a country, has to speak up against this, but everyone's afraid. And it doesn't help that the government back in China is also denying some of the claims or just, I suppose, lightening the situation compared to what's actually going on there. I think either we wait for someone in power to speak up or become a powerful leader ourselves. Yeah, I mean, that's the dream. That would be pretty epic. So thank you very much, F, for sharing, for being with us here today. I mean, not that you have a choice, like we started the podcast together, but (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think this was a great way to start off Inside Out and, well, until next time, I suppose. All right. Thanks for listening to us ramble, guys. See you in the next episode of Inside Out. Peace. I do.